You're listening to NFT 365, the first daily podcast on NFTs with your host, Fanzo, talking crypto, blockchain, Web3, non-fungible tokens, metaverse, and what the f*** is a non-fungible token? We'll get to that. It's time for today's episode of NFT 365, the only daily NFT podcast minting an NFT every day for 365 days. Powered by the ADHD coin at rally.io, here's your host and digital futurist, the ADHD superpowered Brian Fenzo. This show is not financial advice, so do your own damn research. What's up, friends? Welcome back to another episode of NFT 365. And of course, we are powered and sponsored by the Crypto Business Conference. Crypto Business Conference is happening in San Diego, October 9th to the 11th. Make sure you check out socialmediaexaminer.com slash NFT365 so you can check out that event. Hopefully, I will see you in San Diego uh, come October. Now, with the podcast, you know, one of the, the beauties of the podcast and, and something that I take, uh, you know, a lot of pride in is that, you know, really focused on our ability to, well, do what I put into my, my yearbook in my high school yearbook, my senior year, way back in 1999. I, I said, like, my goal or the thing that I would, I would strive to do in life was connect good people. Well, I said great people with great people to do great shit. That's what I put in my yearbook back in 1999. And that to me is ultimately what the power of Web3 is enabling for us and ultimately allowing us to do things in ways uh, that we really never could have imagined before. And in some cases, at a speed that we've never done before. And so I'm excited to have, I'm going to bring on uh, our today's guest and uh, Molly is joining us. Molly, thanks so much for joining the podcast. Molly Dixon with we have the Computer Cowgirls, and we're going to talk a little bit about that project and an, uh, another project you have working as well. But Molly, just to kick us off, uh, tell the audience a little bit about you, a little bit about your background, and then uh, I have some questions for you. Yeah. Hey, well, um, thank you so much for having me. Um, <laughs> I've been on a little uh, podcast, I feel like, to where I'm getting better at it, but uh, my partner is usually the one that's... Um, She's more put together. I'm the artist and founders. I think that goes to the territory maybe that I'm, I'm the scattered partner. Um, anyway, my name is Molly Dixon. I am a fashion photographer based in Texas, and I also do um, kind of collage motion graphic work. Um, that's about half my day job workload right now. And then the last, uh, I mean, since February, really, I, I kind of jumped into Web3 with Computer Cowgirls, which was... Um, I didn't really know what I was getting into. I just, I'm kind of an accidental NFT artist in that way, I guess. <laughs> well, I, well so tell me a little bit more. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about that accidental art, you know, cause like from the artist side and, and I'll tell you like, it's part of the beauty for me here is I get to kind of pull the artists into, uh, you know, telling the story and, and sharing all the promotional side, which I know is not always the, uh, the artist's favorite thing to do, but yeah. How did you, how did you become the NFT artist? Well, um, People kept mentioning NFTs to me and I like everybody the first time we hear it, you're like, what the fuck is this? Like I looked into it. I just didn't, I didn't get it. Um, and you know, then another year went by and um, a friend called me and she kind of explained how the collectibles, these 10 K collectible collections were working. And she also explained that um, a good percentage of them, especially women led projects, they donate um, a percentage to certain causes 
And so I had, you know, I had a little bit more time to kind of wrap my head around the why, which I think is always the biggest hurdle jumping into the space is like, why do people care about these? Why do people want these? Why are people making these? Um, And that kind of like allowed me some time to like, let that sit for a second. Um, And then I had a little bit of time, Texas, we had uh, passed SB8, which was the most restrictive abortion ban. Um, And so I decided... I would just make a very small Genesis collection of 201 animated cowgirls um, that I named computer cowgirls because why not? They're cowgirls on a computer and it would just be all in, um, you know, to raise money for abortion access in Texas. And I just, I, you know, I just thought it was kind of funny in a way that they're cowgirls and I just, you know, we all hate (laughs) Abbott here. So it was just kind of my jump into the space. Of course, between the time where I had that conversation about collectibles to the time I made the collection, I wouldn't say I did any research. (laughs) So I just kind of jumped in, didn't know what I didn't know, um, which for me is probably better in some ways. I think accidentally I did a few things right um, in hindsight, but really um, found um, my partner, Madison, very early on before the first launch, even in our first drop. Um, and she's been kind of with me every step of the way. Yeah. Nice. So, and, and so you, you were, you mentioning that you were attracted to the idea of like uh, cause and like the, the donation side, did the idea of kind of like the artist, uh, you know, the, you know, the creator percentage that you could build in, you know, cause we've interviewed a, you know, a lot of artists and I think, you know, it's interesting to see the entry point for a lot of artists like that, that idea of like the cause based one, I think are you, that's kind of what jumped out at you the most. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, I wouldn't say we donate um, from the, we call it the 201 originals now because computer cowgirls has kind of grown into a larger idea than the Genesis collection. But I think, um, you know, donating a hundred percent of primary and secondary sales, I can think about that project and I can make decisions around that project differently than if it was a personal thing for me. Um, A lot of decisions that really led the way, um, even like what chain I was going to be on, figuring all that out, it really drove home because I knew exactly where it was going, what it was for. Um, and for me that that's an easier model to deal with. Um, so yeah, I, and we, and we have a similar thing with the fuck you collection. <laughs> so yeah. So I, I'm curious, like, you know, cause you were actually already on this cause before I, I would say it kind of took over um, a lot of people's feeds, especially, you know, our NFT um, community feeds, you know, you were, you had already launched a, a collection. Uh, and, and I think, so that was focused mostly on, on Texas, right. On, on kind of driving change in Texas. When you got kind of like the initial uh, wave, or I guess it was the the memo that was leaked that kind of like gave us all this, like, wait a second, there's the possibility of this uh, being overturned or, or being uh, removed. Um, did you immediately think like, Hey, how can we take this bigger? Like, what were your, what was your initial thoughts? Because I mean, you were already laying the groundwork before even, you know, that, you know, any of that was kind of exposed to us, you know, in the, in the public. Yeah. Well, I have to say when I launched the, uh, the original collection, I had no expectations for how it would do. Um, you know, it was very small. I thought it will sell out eventually. It could take me months. You know, I had no reputation in the space. Any artist, any commercial artist starts over <laughs> in web three, you know, no one knows who they are unless you're just a huge, huge name, which I'm not. Um, so, but they sold out instantly and we raised uh, 11 ETH, which was $30,000 for Fun Texas Choice. And so it was pretty impressive to me to see um, the amount of money I could raise in this space versus like 
selling prints, you know, obviously digital like uh, animation work wouldn't sell. Um, it'd be hard a hard sell without it being an NFT. But um, so I was kind of really impressed by that model. Um, last year, I listened to the Supreme Court hearing. Anyone that worked in this field, um, like in the abortion rights access field, they knew this was coming. And if you didn't know for a long time, it's been coming. I think like, I remember listening to NPR last summer and they said next summer this will be overturned most likely. So I stayed on Texas because when SBA passed, you know, I'm, we were a very small project. We were 201 cowgirls and you raise $30,000 for Texas. And it's not like you like fixed abortion in Texas, like, you know, leave or whatever. Um, but when the leak came out, um, we, we had planned to launch cowgirl Dow uh, probably about a month after the leak came out um, without knowing at that time what was going to happen. And we had kind of a plan to do, um, I would create one of ones. We would auction those off. We would slowly start funding Cowgirl Dow, which is still going to be Texas based. Once the leak happened, um, you know, our team met really quickly. Our collector base is ideologically aligned hundred percent. So it was really easy to know, like to, to jump and say, we're going to do a bigger effort. And people that were aware of our project just kept tagging us because um, everyone was like, who is doing anything um, for this cause? And we had already been working on it since February. So we went ahead and we launched a 10,000 uh, 10, asset collection, um, but they are three editions. So three pieces of art, three price points. Um, we, we really kind of all hands on deck. We launched Cowgirl, Cowgirl Dow early, asked everyone in our community for help. You know, who who is PR, who can copyright, who can, um, you know, help with all these different things. Who has Dow experience, who has uh, nonprofit experience. And really, I think I, I'd have to look at the exact timeline. I think we were ready in like 10 days, maybe a little bit more than that, but as quickly as possible. Um, yeah. And so when the official overturn happened, of course, we were still minting the, the 10K Fuck You collection. So we right again, you know, the, the cycle picks up and people say, who's doing something for this? And um, we were. So we've been raising money. We donated 27000 to Oklahoma that was between the leak and overturn because Oklahoma in between that time passed the most restrictive ban. So we were like our first fuck you is all in on Oklahoma. And we think we'll be kind of reactive that way, like where we can just, um, you know, there's some flexibility about how we decide we want to like strategize and shift depending on the landscape and how things kind of change. Of course, now it's like dumpster fire. Everything is going to happen at once. But um. But yeah, and in total, I think the Fuck You Collections raised 26 ETH, a little over 26 ETH wow. so far, yeah. and um, you know, still more to go. But yeah. So I'm cur- I'm curious. I want to jump into that collection, but you know, you mentioned you know you weren't sure how it was going to sell when it first you know you first launched the original Genesis and it sold out right away. Is there anything that you like you think you did that kind of like kind of led into that? Was it the fact that you know it was a unique, uh, you know, not, I mean, not only a unique collection, but unique in the sense of how you were kind of, you know, kind of hyper-focused in Texas. I think a lot of projects that end up being regional based end up struggling a lot more than others. Is there anything that you could like really kind of put a finger on, on what you think was that initial success that you had? Yeah. I mean, I definitely worried it might be too local of an issue and it, it didn't prove to be, of course it wasn't a giant collection that I had to sell, but um, I think being a little naive coming into this space, not being, 
swayed by the art that was already in the space. I just kind of did my thing and the art looked really different. Um, they were motion pieces. They weren't a PFP collection. Um, you know, they're collage style, uh, photo based. Um, they're loud. They're a little tacky. <laughs> um, I, I like, I like loud, bright, bright loud. And it jumps out at me. Uh, I'm curious, you know, like you mentioned, you know, your, the art, you know, kind of background leading in, you know, like if, if you were thinking of this, like from like this kind of like, you know, kind of put activating a collection and then kind of donating to a cause, what would be like the, like the time frame that would have taken you kind of non NFT world? Like, do you have like a idea of like what that would have kind of, uh, kind of taken to kind of bring to life something similar, but not on like in the web three space? My collection wasn't generative, so it was all handmade. I don't know if on the that back end, if there would have been a time difference. I just don't think it it would have had traction on the front, like selling um, nearly as quickly. I mean, we were able to donate really quickly. Um, and I think for a lot of causes, the speed you can raise money and the speed you can donate is the most important thing you can really focus on just because so many causes are, are time sensitive that way. I mean, even now we're, we have kind of a, you know, a 20 it was like a, a 30 day plan before we start seeing major changes in states that are trigger states. So we, we kind of have like a, you know, just as quick as possible in um, this first month. And then we'll kind of reset and see what we need to do after that. But I, I think for most people, I think um, being able to find community that, you know, is outside of your local area, or your friends, people that you know, I means people all over the world, really. Um, and, uh, and you can raise one quicker. Then you could. Yeah, I'm curious from a from a standpoint of like you know like as you're looking at these collections, you mentioned the DAO was kind of put into action, multiple 10k pieces, uh, and, you, and you kind of started off by you know, like you kind of didn't know what you didn't know, and you kind of jumped into the into the space. Well, those are you know those not only launching multiple collections but also operating a DAO. I mean, a lot of projects haven't even thought that down that road. What what were some of the things that kind of allowed you to kind of adapt and innovate at, at really a, a pretty impressive speed. Yeah. I mean, I, I think cowgirl DAO is still a baby DAO. I mean, like we, every time we have a vote voting mechanism, we're trying to, to figure out the most efficient way for this system to run personally, as an artist, I love the idea. Um, you know, when I, when I was like, heard about a DAO, what a DAO was, um, I like the idea of like, I just want to be able to make the gifts. I'm not an expert in these fields. I think bringing people in with different background experience, you know, like we have people that work in the legal field, people that work in nonprofit. I just think bringing in like um, a group of people with different backgrounds, different thoughts that we can better make a decision of how we want to spend this money. Um, and that's really what the DAO does. The DAO really decides how do we want to kind of arrange voting structure? How, how, what kind of thresholds do we need as far as like, um, you know, of course, like any crypto conversions, we've sort of sat there and been like, man, if we don't, if we, we train, cause it, it transfers to USD. So it's like, let's gets like, you know, um, you, you could be up or down a couple hundred dollars, you know, depending on the day. So it's like things like that. I think, um, being able to have people that are in the space and, and make decisions as a community, um, and be part of the community that grows, you know, that raises the funds and also helps spend the money. I think that that's really cool because, like, I don't think I'm necessarily the best person to be like, this is what we're going to do every time, you know? So. Well, and I think that's the, I mean, 
You said baby DAO. I think most DAOs are still figuring out how to make all this process work. We were on a Twitter space last night with a couple of people that are behind some really massive DAOs. And I can tell you, uh, I pushed them on some questions and they, they were still figuring out like a lot of the, you know, the nuances. I, I'm curious, you know, you mentioned, you know, like, you know, the art, right? So you're the, the 10K uh, Fuck You collection um, is, you know, three different, uh, right, if I remember correctly, three different types uh, of pieces you know, what what inspired you to do it kind of like that kind of structure? You know, I, we know generative, we know kind of one of one. I kind of like the, as soon as I, when I first, you know, jumped on the site, I was like, wow, I like the idea, you know, different pieces for, you know, different amount of, of people that are donating. What was kind of the inspiration for that? Well, in the time frame, we obviously couldn't have done like a generative uh, 10K collection, at least not the way I work. I wouldn't have been, I mean, I think I'm fast, but I'm not fast. Um, so I think, I think that, automatically meant we'd be doing, um, you know, single uh, editions of some kind. I like, um, it was actually our dev, Audrey, who's a, a Texas woman as well. And it was her idea to kind of launch this 10K. And I think we've seen this before, you know, like Ukraine Dow launched the simple flag and they raised a ton of money. Um, so that's a little bit of proof of concept that you can raise money without, you know, a million individual pieces of art. I like the tier system because um, our our low tier is 0 0.03, which um, it is a lot more accessible if anyone wants to try to, you know, have a piece of like, I guess, you know, it's like Web3 resistance art of some kind. I mean, we've made it for this. It's it's pretty like middle finger, I guess. Um, but yeah, I like having the three tiers and obviously the, there's more of the bottom tier. There's 6,000 and then 3,000 and 1,000 of the top. So yeah, and and we we minted one for our our mint three sixty five collection, and and you know for you know it's it's nice to kind of be able to add you know collections that not only are doing things differently but are making kind of like um, that social impact as well. I'm curious, you know, like the one of the things you know my team knows that as soon as we kind of heard, you know, I'm a big believer in you know Web two. We did a lot of waiting around. Let trying, you know, hopefully letting others kind of take the lead and and for everything from donation to impact to movements. And I believe in Web3, a lot of it is like activating. Like how can we as Web3, you know, you know, users, advocates, evangelists, you know, activate some of these things. So I know for people that are are listening, you know, the idea of kind of taking, you know, you you already had kind of the 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 jump start with you were already on that cause-based, you know, in Texas side. What would be some of like your advice or or maybe you know thoughts that you've had on you know projects that are cause-based, you know. Some of them have been successful. Some of them um, have, have not because I think there's a little bit of disconnect in the, in the language. What would be some of the things that you've learned kind of bringing like a project not only early to light, but also bringing another project to light, you know, in, you know, kind of in the midst of a lot of the, the heavy conversation that's happening? Yeah, I think, um, you know, I jumped into this space not even realizing that most people are not doxxed or a lot of people are not doxxed. I'm fully doxxed. It's like kind of normal to me just because I came from a commercial artist background. Um, I do think transparency for raising money is always really important. I think in the crypto space, it's even more important in a way because we do have, you know, you do have to watch out for rugs. And, um, and so... I think our, our project already had a little bit of credibility because we'd already done it. You know, the great thing about donating free though, is like, as far as, far as people not being doxxed, you can actually, you can track where the money goes. You know, people could see that it, it went through endowment and the fund Texas choice. So when we launched uh, the 10K fuck you, I think that that helped us a little bit, but we actually partnered with endowment fully. So we, we donated the, 
the uh, the entire 10K collection on a contract level. So we never took any money um, from First Mint. It all goes to them. And then we're able to advise on how those funds are spent. So I think for anyone that didn't know our project, I think being able to see like, oh, well, they don't touch the money. It goes here. I can see the money here. And I mean, endowments kicking ass as far as like I see them on so many different collaborations now um, helping really just the credibility of raising money. And they're amazing at getting organizations on board to actually um, give them the funds because that's like the other hard part, right, is like we were like, how do we get people to get wallets? And it's like they're just not going to. I mean, that's just way too early. Um, so a partner like endowment, I think, is super beneficial for for trying to do something like that. I'm curious, you know, to be, from a standpoint of like, you know, the, the collections and, and kind of some of the, you know, pieces that, you know, you not only, you know, have a collection, you got the art up, you're set up the DAO, but, you know, when I first jumped on there, you also have the support of a lot of other collections, a lot of other projects. Uh, I mean, all kinds of ones, many of them that we, uh, that we actually, uh, in our collection. So there's kind of a, uh, some cool, uh, you know, synergy there, um, as far as some of the projects and I'll put a link up for the website, I'm curious, you know, like as you were taking that lead, how did some of those partnerships with other NFT uh, projects come to light? Do they come to you? You come to them? How did some of that conversation happen? Oh, definitely both. I mean, we knew we were a small project when we launched the 10K. So we just reached people and said, like, hey, we need your help right now with this. And, um, you know, like, I think that's why we're really, really proud to feature them on uh, our men's side because we we heard no's too you know so I think it was it's so beneficial for a project that um is you know bigger than ours to throw a little bit of muscle behind and just be like hey we're not neutral in web3 we support this like this group is a hundred percent in like we're not taking money I'm not even paying ourselves like there's no <laughs> I think I'm just on the red completely but um anyway so that was awesome so they they shared it with their community this um last week maybe two weeks ago very quickly like the hub did something really inventive and amazing and this is like i think why it's so exciting to see how um people can kind of take ideas and like help you and run with it and come up with really interesting ways they they uh they use prism to basically kind of group within the community this pool who can donate um whatever they can people just donated whatever they had to buy as many of the top tier fuck yous as they could. And within that one community, they bought, I think it was four of the top tier. They raised like five or $6,000 just within their one community. And then they turned around and made it like a, um, a contest where they were going to, they were going to give it away a raffle. So they were like posted on their Twitter and was like, Hey, tag your friends that believe in this cause. And then it was a raffle within their own, like outside of their own community, I think to bring awareness. And then also I think it's cool that they're showing that they're not neutral. So um, like things like that, I think are really cool because I would have never come up with that. And I really think it would be awesome to be able to replicate it within other communities because how, how cool is it just to be able to pull together whatever people have, even if it's not like 0.03 and, and buy the top tier ones and then use it for, you know, or hold it in your reserves or whatever you want to do with it as a community. But yeah, no, I think that's such a great use case, right? I think, and for projects mm -hmm. that are looking at utility, right? Like one of the utilities is using some of that community funds or some of the, you know, like I know, uh, you know, one of the collections that we've been involved in, like they're taking like a couple of weeks worth of all secondary sales for those second you know, weeks and then, and they're buying some cause-based um, projects as well. And, you know, I think the other reminder, I think for everyone here, you know, listening as well is like the beauty of within NFT projects is that we have like focused audiences, you know, 
usually under 10,000 that we can tap into a couple of them. Like we don't have to, you know, reach, you know, 400,000 people on Twitter. We could definitely just connect with 40 other projects and those 40 projects, you know, have those uh, people within it, which I think is a, you know, a beautiful byproduct of that as well. I'm curious, you know, the, like you said, you're kind of not making any or paying yourselves off of, of this project. You know, I'm a big believer in not only supporting great causes, but also making sure we support the artists and the teams that are, are kind of making this happen. What are some of the ways today, like some of our listeners, if they want to support and make sure that you're also, uh, you know, getting taken care of, do you have, you know, what would be some of the ways that they could get involved on that side? Well, I mean, right now, this is what we're doing. Obviously a hundred percent all in model is not sustainable for, you know, myself or any kind of team as small as it is long-term. So we definitely have plans for, um, you know, we have a generative collection that will come out at some point. We're working um computer cowgirls is kind of, I'm really interested in AR, what AR fine art will look like. How do we bring the cowgirls kind of off the screen? I really, I think an artist like being a little slow um, to realize the benefit that the, the NFTs are a different medium, not just a new platforms, not like a new Instagram. It's like, there's really cool things people do with technology and, and embracing that because, um, you know, otherwise I think it, we're kind of like early NFT days otherwise. But um, so I think I think we're looking at like, you know, the cowgirl verse, we'll have wearables. So we have we have bigger plans. We just right now, I think, you know, if we weren't doing this, I don't know what we'd be doing um, just because that's like the reason I came into this space. And it's it's kind of now or never as far as the cause, like, you know, there's urgency. So um, I mean, I think it's just a tremendous help to help people know about the project. Of course, like, brand awareness like I think that's always helpful people don't know like what we're doing because it's always a part of what we're doing um but yeah I think I think sharing social anything social sharing is always super helpful I mean we get not like Twitter algorithm 30 people whatever and being able to break out of that a little bit is amazing so share tweet like join us on discord whatever (laughs) Uh, yeah, we'll make sure all those links are are in the show notes as well. You know, and I, and I love that you have like the AR component. I saw that on your on your feed. You know, our designer on our team here at the podcast. We've when we were in New York last week for NFT NYC, he kept doing the the, the AR overlays. Uh, you know, of our logo and some of the things that we have, uh, which I think is really you know innovative ways of bringing you know a lot of that art to to life and you know overlaying it. I even think of it. You know, we we're, we're just haven't really even, you know, tapped the, the surface of that yet. Um, you know, for those that are, you know, are, are listening as well, you know, not only we have the, the links for the collections, but, you know, I think the other part about this that you've mentioned a couple of times is that, you know, people are willing to take a stand. And I think, you know, I, I've said this, I worked with IBM and the social business team uh, for a couple of years surveying millennial Gen Z. It was what my previous life was pre-Web3. And, you know, one of the biggest things that came out of there is I believe the number was... I have to find the exact number, but it was 73% of like those under the age of 40 at the time. So it was a couple of years ago, um, believed like they would, they would support and believe in brands and projects that stood, that had a stand on something at, at just taking a stand period, let alone being neutral and not understanding where they stand. And I think, you know, in this space, that's a, that is a big one. Uh, you know, for especially, you know, something important for me, I, I talked about that in a recent episode we had where 
Like I had to learn through, you know, the murder of George Floyd, that my silence was not advocacy as much as I thought it, it was. And, and that importance of, of kind of stepping up and, and making our, our voices heard. And so I love what you're doing. I, you know, I commend your team for doing that. I, I really, you know, I'm also just beyond impressed on the idea that like you entered this space because of the ability of the, of the cause and impact uh, movement. There's not a lot of people that can say that. And I, I wish more people knew that people are coming in this space because of that, because we get like, you know, the crypto and the monkey photos and all the, the stuff there. But, you know, for people like yourself that are, you know, talented artists already and being able to come in uh, to this space and see it as, you know, your ability to make an impact and, you know, help move a, a cause forward, I think is uh, empowering. And hopefully more people can kind of share that out. So I'll, I'll kind of give you the, the last word, anything you want to share, anything you want to uh, lead people to, and then uh, we will close it up. Um, well, thank you, first of all. And I want to say that, uh, I mean, it's a spiteful collection. I, I did get a lot of enjoyment about just 100% donating the money. Um, I guess you just have to like or hate Greg Abbott enough to, for that to be worth it. But uh, um, I will say that um, you don't need to buy art to donate and a lot of the ways to help right now are really boring ways. Um, and I think it's important to let people know just because overwhelm is a real thing too, that um, making donations to orgs that work on the ground, not trying to reinvent the wheel and come up with like a whole new way, but just support the experts that are doing this is one of the biggest ways we can help. Also just being able to make sure that people know where to find information like your friends and family about you know abortion access especially if you live in texas or um you know really at risk state um as far as our collection it's so helpful to just share the project if you don't have the money to mint one maybe talk to your community and talk about like the the group buy i think is an amazing thing we saw so much money raised from that um and also we're we're so willing for people's inventive ideas of, of any way that they'd like to to contribute in some way. I mean, I think um, the cool thing about Web3 is it's really, it's kind of a community effort. I mean, it's not just like our project on its own. It's like we really have had uh, interaction with other communities that have really, um, really helped the project and help us raise the money. I love it. You know, Molly, thanks so much for for joining us. You know, for everyone listening, you know, the premise of the podcast was is pretty simple. It's built on, you know, we are greater than me. And I think in this type of instance, like the idea of our greater we is, you know, all of us taking action, raising your damn hand, you know, pressing the damn button. Uh, and of course, doing your own damn research as we like, there's the three dams that kind of fit nicely in there. But, you know, I love the ability for us to be able to not only rally together, but activate and take action, you know, right away. And the fact that you were already able, you know, to take donations, get it to the the, the states and areas that are definitely the ones that are, you know, kind of hot button ones immediately is just another beautiful use case of, of what Web3 offers that we really didn't have at our, at our disposal um, in Web2. So share this story out, my friends. But let's amplify, especially those that are willing uh, to take a stand and, uh, and understand that you know, right now is the time that we have to rally uh, together and, uh, and really just make a choice that we are going to you know, make a difference and we're not going to you know, sit back and wait for uh, you know, others to, to do it for us. We're going to do that for uh, ourselves. So I'll make sure all the links are uh, in the bio. Make sure you uh, check out our sponsor, Crypto Business Conference. Yeah, hopefully we'll see you in San Diego in October. I don't think anybody can complain about San Diego uh, in October. And uh, until tomorrow, my friends, make it a great day. Cheers. Bye, thanks. Thank you. The show is not financial.